thrilled to have in studio with me the Joshua Sharf. It's great to have you here. Good morning, Kim. You are the like my go-to guy on uh, That's education. Alarming. That's alarming. Tabor. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, with the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, PARA, the Public Employees Retirement Association. You are one smart guy. I don't know how you have all the time to do everything you do. Uh, it's, uh, it, 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 you, you make time, but you know, listen, I mean, a lot of the data is there. You just got to look for it. Well, for sure. And one other thing though, you do in your spare time is you have a amazing photography business. Thank you very much. I, I love, we are in a target rich environment when it comes to, comes to photography, when we live out here in Colorado and I just love going out and taking pictures of the state. It's a beautiful place. Well, and so you could do at, you know, if you're a business that's doing some, uh, re decorating or whatever, and, and want to kind of update your look, those photos would be a great addition to an office. That, uh, that that's, that, that's one of the things that we've seen. We have a co-working space, for instance, down in, uh, green, down in Greenwood village down in the, the in the tech center area. And they've got Four or five of the pictures up there, and people just love them there. So if you're if you're redoing a space, if you're a, a commercial interior designer, you're redoing a space for somebody else. Jsharf.photo.jsharf.com, and uh, take a look and see if there's something you like. Okay, one more time. What's that website? Photo.jsharf. J S is in Sam. H A R F as in Frank. Dot com. Okay, be sure and check Thank it you. out. But let's jump into here to education. You know, I think that we as a society believe that we have a, a, a responsibility. We want to make sure that our kids get a good education. And one of the things that has been very popular in Colorado is charter schools. And charter schools are actually public schools. Yes, they are. They're they're public schools funded by public money, either district or, or district and state money, and they are um, uh, they oftentimes share facilities or uh, or, or or use you know you, if, if they don't necessarily share buildings, they may share other facilities, uh, athletic facilities, and that sort of thing, with the public schools with the, with the uh, with the neighborhood public schools. So, what is a charter school exactly, Joshua? It's a school that is set up by by parents or by uh, oftentimes it's for instance kip is, is one is a corporation that does this but it's it's publicly funded uh in essence run by a nonprofit, and they have uh fewer restrictions in terms of uh they have much more freedom we'll put it that way in terms of curriculum uh in terms of uh, <clears throat> uh most of the teachers there are not in generally unionized and they have uh, they have a little more freedom in terms of who they can hire to be teaching there as well, and so basically this allows them to uh, to target particular you know tar- to to target a particular a particular curriculum type. Uh, there are some that uh, that focus on science, so there are some that focus on say a classical uh, type type of curriculum. And what this does is this this gives parents a choice as opposed to the standard cookie cutter uh, neighborhood school curriculum that, that that everybody in a particular district has to go with. This may provide them with something that they feel is better stu- better suited for their child. Seems like that's a good o- option for families to be able to do that. You know, in, in there's a, there was a, a film I don't remember the I think it may have been called the lottery something like that. It was a, a few about ten ten years ago now, and there was a scene. This was in Cleveland, one of the early charter school uh, adopted places, mm-hmm. and there was a scene where because of the limitation, you know, the limited limited number of seats, the charter school itself, fortunately, doesn't get to pick and choose who it takes. Uh, but there's a lottery to get into these. And it was it was simultaneously uh, joyous and heartbreaking because there's a you know, there were these parents sitting in this room waiting for their their child's number 
to be called, you know, mm-hmm. like the, like the, like a bingo, th- you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the lottery. And when the number got called, just the, the joy and relief and the sense that their child was going to get something good mm-hmm. on the parent's face. And then, of course, the ones who, who weren't called, it was heartbreaking because they're, you know, they were there hoping to, to be able to, mm-hmm. to, 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 to get that for their, for their kid. Uh, really just a, um, uh, and, 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 and for especially for students uh, who are who would otherwise be trapped in underperforming uh, cookie cutter neighborhood mm-hmm. schools, mm-hmm. a chance to to not have that as as they like to say depend on their zip code, mm-hmm. uh, but but rather on on their parents' willingness and motivation to get them into something better. Mm-hmm. That brings up I remember and I interviewed the assistant principal, and this was a charter school. It was Wall Street Journal article. Uh, a couple of years ago, it, uh, and he was an assistant principal at a charter school in Harlem. And he was in the same building, if you can believe it, as a public school. Mm-hmm. So the kids are the same demographics. Mm-hmm. The charter school, the uh, results there were fantastic. And the public school, the results were dismal. Joshua, this is the same same dem- demographics, same kids. But one of the things about charter schools is parents have to be involved in, in the education as well, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, they have to be willing to, you don't necessarily have bus service. Uh, you don't necessarily have a lot of the extracurriculars available there. Uh, those, those maybe have to come from, from the district. And so the parent really has to be much, much more willing to First of all, to enroll, to look, to 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 make sure that their kid gets enrolled in a charter school, to figure out which one they they want to they want to they want to try for their kid. Uh, it requires you know it's much more than just checking off the form of 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 where what address you happen to have and therefore what bucket you're going to be put in for for your neighborhood. Uh, it really does require a, an active, involved parent to make that work. Well, you know, and uh, we need to be active in our children's lives. We as and if you are, if you're engaged with your kids, the chances of them turning into a successful adults is is greater. Let's just put it that way. I mean, goofy things can happen. Great parents, we can have kids that that you know uh, lose their way, come back, maybe lose their way. But but if you're actively in, involved with children, it's a really good thing. Yeah, I mean, you don't need to be helicopter. This isn't you know this isn't you're flying in and making sure that the the that the the teacher gives your kid a good grade regardless of how. I'm not talking about helicopter parenting. Right. We're talking about responsible. We're talking about being involved and making sure. That that you notice trends in your kid. You know, one of the things about um, about uh, about the way this works too is the people who put together these programs have to come up with a financing model, have to come up with a curriculum. I mean, this is all you know. This is all built from the ground up, and many times. It's parents who are putting together a charter school. Say, listen, you know, the neighborhood school just isn't doing it. I don't like the textbook. I don't like the the homework that they're coming home with. Not necessarily the amount, but the the the, the type that they're coming home with. I don't like the uh, the level. I think that I think the kid could be doing much better. And so we're gonna and and, and so let's get together and let's do something better. Yeah, that happens too. Those are the really uber-involved parents. You know, mm-hmm. those are the ones who, who who then sit down and have to put together the financials and show that 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 there'll be enough students to to justify the funding and so forth. Well, and Colorado has had a a, a kind of a good record of of charters, hasn't it? Uh, it has, in general, had a good record of charters. It was one of the one of the leaders in charters, and and but it varies from district to district. So Denver historically has been very open to charter schools. It's also had listen. I mean, charters are not they're not a magic formula. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they fail. Sometimes 
sometimes they do poorly. Sometimes they're not well run, or the curriculum is not well thought through. Sometimes they don't they, they don't have the resources. Sometimes they don't they don't do well, uh, just like anything else. But many times they do very well. Denver's been very open to them. Uh, some other counties have been less open to them, and so that's a um, uh, that varies from varies from district to district as to how much they're 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 willing to willing uh, willing to open the gates. Mm-hmm. Right. I just I remember in Boulder Valley School District uh, denied uh, ascent classical ch- um, academies charter, yeah. and then the state board of education. Uh, denied it again, and I find that troubling. Yeah, there there are sort of two levels here of of, of potential approval, where the district can can allow it, and then if that's denied, you can go as you say, you can go to the state and see if there'll be a state level charter. Uh, I know Derek. I know Derek Schuler, who's been who's who's been very uh, uh, who, who basically runs that that. Mm-hmm. And the, the 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 Golden View Classical, which is the model for ascent, which a uh, model for ascent that he's u- tried to use in other places, uh, is has been wildly successful there. And I'm I can only ascribe fear of competition uh, as as to for the reason that the that this is that this has been denied. You know, one of the arguments is well, Hillsdale they're affiliated with Hillsdale and it's a religious program. I say it doesn't have anything to do with their curriculum. Mm-hmm. They're not teaching them they're not teaching them religion there. They're teaching them a, a traditional classical education. It just has to be happens to be affiliated with Hillsdale. Uh, and so it's a it's a great program. Parents who go there love it. Our parents who send their kids there love it. Well, and to that point, you can't get third grade back, but we're going to go to break. When we come back, there's some very interesting legislation that is down at the State House that we want to talk about, about trying to take away some funding for charter schools. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. Joshua Scharf, education expert, is in studio with me, and we will be right back. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect the issues. The latest news, politics, and opinion is right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. So check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guest topics and important events. And I am the AmeriChicks on Facebook and Twitter. I'd love it if you'd go and follow me and like me. That would be great. I'm offering a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with me Joshua Scharf, uh, who I think you are an educator. Education expert during break, you're mm. like, and you weren't sure that you mm. okay, mm. but you but you really watch the funding. I mean, you really right. watch and you kind of crunch the numbers. So that's 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 my that's my strength is the number stuff. That's yeah. your sweet spot. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah, me and the green eye shades. We we're we're, just, we're like this. Yeah. You're like that. Okay. Well, it's great to have you here, and we're talking about charter schools. And so, in the last segment, we explained really what charter schools are. But there is some legislation down at the state house. It's HB 19. 1190. And for all of you listeners out there, uh, HB means it's coming out of the house. It's a house bill. And then they give you the year. So this is HB 19. And the number is 1190. So tell us about that, Joshua. So back in 2017, there was a compromise reached on education funding. Education funding has always been a bone of contention. There's something called the negative factor, where if if uh, you know funding doesn't come in, then then it sort of gets reduced at the state level and ends up having to be made up at the at the district level. Uh, education funding in Colorado is is a fairly complex business, and. So there were these periodic attempts to address either either incrementally or create large compromises. In 2017, there was a there was a compromise reached, uh, and part of that compromise related to charter schools. What it meant was that at the district level, when people voted for a mill levy override, meaning they voted to increase the mill levy 
on the property. Public schools at the district level in Colorado are funded primarily through property taxes. So as the the property tax mill levy either goes down or you know and, and mm-hmm. people can vote to to override that and keep that money in for the or take the additional money that's raised and use that for schools. Uh, part of the requirement there was that uh, that some of that money be set aside for charters. So they, they couldn't the district couldn't use all of that money for just for for neighborhood schools, assuming that there were charters there. Some of that money had to be set aside. In addition, at the state level, we mentioned before that there are state level, there are about 40 state level charter schools. That is schools that are not chartered by a given district, but are chartered by the Charter School Institute, which is uh, the state level chartering organization. And the state would set aside a certain amount of money as well. Uh, Out of the general fund, out of the the money set aside for education would be set aside for, for charters. Uh, what this bill, uh, HB 1190, sponsored by Kathy Kipp, I think out of uh, out of Fort Collins, Democrat out of Fort Collins, uh, basically what that would do is that would take um, and claw that back from the uh, fr- from 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 the charter schools. Um, last year, that amounted to about three hundred dollars per student. This year, it's scheduled to double to go to about six hundred dollars per student. Uh, it still is not even funding. It still is not an even amount of funding per student in charters versus neighborhood schools. Uh, that would require about an additional $1,200 per student. But but what she wants to do is claw back that, that 300 what would be that 600 seems like that would really hurt charter schools. Absolutely. Of course it would. I mean, this is, this is a, an important source of funding. And so, again, for the forty for the forty or so state chartered schools, it would it would be a significant be a significant impact to them. Uh, she is somewhat ideological about this. She calls this uh, taxation without representation, which of course is absurd huh. uh, on the face of it. It's facially absurd, but she uh, but but she she you know has been on the school board in Loveland uh, and and I'm sorry in uh, up, up in Fort Collins and. Uh, is obviously hostile to charters and, and, and wants to wants to take this money back away from them, wants to undo that portion of the compromise. Okay, so now that would affect school charter schools that are chartered by the state. Right. What about district schools? It wouldn't affect them. They would still, they would still, the district would still be required to set aside mill levy override money for charter schools. Uh, so it wouldn't affect the districts. But, you know, listen, I mean, if you're, if if you're thinking about where this is going, it probably it maybe opens the door to that's, to, that's to exactly that where I was time. going. You know? So she probably decided instead of fighting the whole battle that they'll just kind of take a bite at the apple and, sure. and start to try to put pressure on on charters. So, right. uh, Josh, what is the per pupil funding in Colorado? Do you happen to remember? I was thinking it was like in that. It varies from district to district. Does it? Obviously, okay. um, and so. I think in places like Cherry Creek, the total is something like eleven thousand per student. I think in Denver, we're somewhere uh, around. I want to say somewhere around eight. That 8, seems that's per student. kind of seems. But but the uh, so. the the point is is this clawback is pretty significant. Uh, the way that um, I mean, that's a lot of money that's going to be taken away from these charters. It, it is, it is, and that's money that would just have to be. And listen, I mean, these are they, they come up with a funding plan, they come up with a financial plan. That's part of the of the requirement uh, for for starting a charter. Mm-hmm. And here, you're basically going to pull the pull the rug out from under them uh, in in terms of in terms of a significant part of their funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that um, uh, it, it makes it harder for them to meet their goals. And and you know, I mean it. I, I don't wish to. I, I don't want to. I don't want to have too sharp elbows here. You know, this mm-hmm. first early in the morning. Mm-hmm. But to say 
Uh, but, 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 you know, Ms. Kipp's approach to this is, is a little bit harsh. Is that, well, charters are supposed to do better with less funding, so let them go ahead and do better with less funding. Uh, well, that's quite the attitude. Yeah, exactly. So she just doesn't doesn't like charters. And the fact is, you know, the fact that the teachers unions don't like charters. Uh, a lot of the district, a lot of the the union controlled school boards don't like mm-hmm. charters. Number one, they don't like competition. And number two, as I said before, a lot of the most of the teachers at charter schools are not unionized. So they get to to get by with 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 different requirements for hiring. Maybe you don't have to hire somebody with a degree, you know, with a master's degree in te- in, in education. You hire somebody with a teaching cert who happens to know physics. Uh, you know, who's a mm-hmm. who's a physics mm-hmm. major, a phys- you know, has a degree in physics. So they understand that. They know how to teach, but they also have a have a real thorough grasp of the material. And so you do something like that instead. Uh, these are the, this is obviously threatening to uh, to teachers unions that those kinds of those kinds of, uh, of of liberties. You know, and I think Joshua, this really begs the question on whose children are these. And I think sometimes the real activist, <laughs> progressive. Um, te- teachers union people mm-hmm. think that the children are the unions in, <laughs> instead of the parents. And I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, that there is that mindset out there with some of these real radical progressives. Yeah, that they're the state's children or they're the community's children or that they're the, the village's children instead <laughs> of in, instead of instead of uh, the individuals, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're the parents, you know, who obviously who have primary responsibility for raising these kids. So what we are talking about then is public charter schools. This is where parents have come together, and um, they they're putting together a charter, and, and it may be a nonprofit that that might put this put this together. And I'll tell you, it's daunting. Uh, you'd mentioned Derek Schuler with Ascent Classical Academies, uh, the hoops that they had to jump through mm-hmm. to try to get a charter approved up in Boulder. Mm-hmm. And they jumped through all the hoops. They crossed the T's, dotted the I's, time, money, energy. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, uh, the Boulder Valley School District just said no. That's pretty scary. That's concerning to me. Well, you know, they, they have the prerogative to say no. That's the, that's the nature of, the, of, 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 how these, of how charters work. That doesn't mean that the decision here is any good. The decision here may be terrible. And, and the fact is that this is a model that has worked, uh, that has worked in Golden, I think he's got one other that that uh, mm-hmm. that, that has worked Douglas as well. Douglas County has worked as well, and you know Boulder just appears to be uh, uh, just appears to be hostile to the idea. Mm-hmm. And so, listen, I mean, you 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 want to have a certain amount of oversight. These, these are tax dollars, obviously, mm-hmm. that are going to this, mm-hmm. and so you want to have a certain amount of oversight to 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 how these. If you're going to approve those, and not a private school, mm-hmm. then then it makes sense to have you know, but but to put in arbitrary hoops. Uh, is just irritating, and as you say, to put in uh, and, and then to say no to something that that, that has shown to work, and as nobody's required to go here, you know, they're not they're not forcing any parents to send their kids here. They're not forcing anyone to 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 use this model. It's it's there. It's available for parents who want who want something more or something specific and different for their for their for their child. Well, and Mer- Americans like options. No, <laughs> and um, and when you have options, then it, there's competition, yes. and uh, that seems to be one of the main things is is that uh, the, the radical progressive activist teachers union does not want to have competition for our kids' education. 
Well, you know, it's like, um, uh, and, and, and they don't really consider, you know, they'll talk about being for the children, but ultimately, of course, the, the unions are for, are for the teacher. No, that's fine. You know, I understand that, that, that not everyone wants to be at the mercy of the kind of people who become school administrators. However, uh, you know, there's a difference between talking about working hours and, and talking about wages and, and working conditions and so forth and talking about uh, and having control over the curriculum, having control over, and, and not just control over in a school, but telling that there, that there should never be another way of doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that this is really the, you know, the, the one size fits all kind of stuff. And, you know, we're in a society now of, of all things, we're in a society where one size fits all is, uh, is, is antithetical to the younger generations that are coming up, certainly even to mine, a Gen X, but, but coming after us. This idea that that everybody gets the same size, everybody gets the same thing, uh, regardless of what you want, is antithetical to 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 the kind of country we're becoming, and 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 we and we expect choices. Well, it sounds like what you're talking about, Joshua Sharf, is socialized education, uh, where instead of realizing that each child is unique and an individual, each family should be able to make the decisions on their child's education. Instead, you've got this big centralized uh, government here, and in this case, Colorado, where it is uh, Representative Kip wants to claw back funding that would go to kids in charter schools, and that is uh, House Bill 191190. Um, so, kind of your final thought on that before we go to break. It's it's a, and we'll we'll lead into the next segment here. It's a shame because. In many cases, the people who are most be, who are who are most being served are the people who most need it. Well, that's for sure. And you can't get third grade back, right, Joshua? There you go. You only get one shot. That's okay. right. So this is Kim Munson with the Americhicks. I'm talking with Joshua Scharf regarding uh, charter schools and an attempt down at the state house to take away some of the funding for charter schools. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect the issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation and be sure and check out my website, Americhicks.com. And uh, I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. Be sure and like and follow me, offering you a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with me, Joshua Sharf. Joshua, you are a numbers guy and you've been crunching numbers on a variety of different things. Uh, And today we're talking about education charter schools and we had mentioned in the last break this house bill 191190 down at the the state house which would be a a, a pullback a clawback of the mill levy uh, equalization act that was passed in 2017 so charters let's talk a little bit about performance yeah so so there there's sort of three things to break down here uh, one what kind of resources do, do, do they have in terms of teacher pay number two who do charters serve and the number three, putting these together, how well do they serve them? Okay. So it turns out that in terms of teachers' salaries, uh, teachers at, at charter schools tend to be paid less uh, than teachers at uh, the teachers at neighborhood schools. Okay. Statewide and significantly less. Statewide, the gap is about fifteen thousand dollars a year. That is a lot. It's about I think it's from an average of about I want to I want to say fifty four thousand statewide. Uh, to about to just under forty thousand for charter schools, uh, so so they really are trying to do as good a job with with fewer resources. Okay, so why and, would why would a teacher 
teach at a charter school when there's that big of a disparity? So part of the reason is that they maybe have less experience and they're trying to get some experience and, and charters are a good place to, to, to do that. Okay. Number two is that they don't have the, the heavy hand of, of a central administration. So there's more of a relationship with directly with the people who are doing the curriculum. Okay. That isn't necessarily always true with the large corporate uh, charters like KIPP. I happen to share the same name, which can, which will be a little confusing if you're okay. not careful. But but with a with a smaller with a smaller uh, uh, charter organization or, or or something that parents have started, you have a direct relationship there, and so maybe that's maybe that's more appealing as well. Mm-hmm. So a number of reasons the teacher, and maybe they don't want to deal with the union bureaucracy. So there are a number of, of, of reasons mm-hmm. the teachers might want to do But it's their free choice. Absolutely. Nobody, okay. Nobody's making them do this. Okay. Uh, and so that's that's the first thing. Uh, in terms of student characteristics, uh, at, the, at the state level charters, it turns out that the percentage of minority students uh, statewide is about 47% for neighborhood schools, for non-charter schools. For charter schools, it's 53%. So a slightly higher percentage of, minor- of students at charter schools are minorities. A significantly higher percentage, it's about 20% to 15%, are what we call English language learners or English as a second language. Uh, and so a slightly higher percent in charters uh, require that. And then almost exactly the same numbers, like 41 to 42%, are the free and reduced lunch, which is a proxy for income. Okay. So we're talking about this, almost the same level income, more that require uh, some, some help with English, and then a greater percentage of minority students as well. So these are people who you sort of think of as being, you know, as requiring more or, or as mm-hmm. wanting more, as, you know, as, as being a little more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of statewide, again, I don't, I don't have the numbers for the state-level charter, but statewide, where you do get a little bit of a disparity, uh, a disparity, uh, d- disparity rather, is the uh, special education. So uh, there's a there's a triennial survey that that's due out this year. Uh, okay. The last one was done in 2016. The next one will be will be done in July of this year. That looks at that that, that examines charter schools statewide, and uh, again at the non-charter at the uh, at, at the at the state schools. About ten percent require special education at the charter schools. It's uh, it's about six point three percent. So there is some disparity there mm-hmm. between the the number of special education uh, at, at a charter school and at and at a state school. Understand though that again the charter the school is not allowed to discriminate on that basis. So they have to take all comers. This is a question of what parents and believe. that's the lottery thing, right? Well, that's where yeah. I mean, if you have more that want to get in, then you have then you have that 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 sort of aspect of this being a lottery. But but what you're but, saying is the charter can't say we are not taking student because blah blah blah. Absolutely right. Okay. Right. You can't say we're not taking you because of of any any particular need or any particular requirement or anything else. It, okay. It has to take. It, it has to be open to to taking anyone. Um, so just a quick question on that. Do, uh, do special education students or that curriculum in uh, public schools, does that, do they typically get more money per student? Yeah, yeah, more money obviously follows a, uh, a special ed student as well. That's part of the, that's part of the, uh, part of the reason that you've seen some of the numbers go up is because um, uh, they will, st- schools will sometimes seek to classify more students as requiring special uh, special ed in order to, to get more money to come in. And what about those special plans? What are those that like the, uh, 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 you know, a student plan? I can't remember what they're called. They call it Individualized Education Program. Uh, and so EIP. Those, yeah. Okay. Yeah, or IEP, I think. Or yeah, IEP. Okay, yeah. there you go. And so those, uh, those, those also exist in charters. Again, statewide, it's about 10%, uh, and in charters, it's about 6.3%. Okay. So it's not a vast gulf. 
Uh, and but but it is the kind of thing where where you, you know need to be aware that there's there's less of that in charters. So, quick question: Do if a child is on an IEP, does the school district get additional funding for an IEP student? Or do you know? I don't know. That's a question that we need to find out. We should find that. Yeah, out, we'll yeah. have. Okay, we'll we'll be back to you on that one. So, continue right. on. Um, so the, the and, and so the point is that um, but once you one of the other things that this study does every three years is it breaks down performance, and so it turns out that it breaks down performance uh, by uh, free and reduced lunch, uh, or what's called FRL, free and reduced lunch, and by, by race, by, by ethnicity. And so you can, you can control for all of these. And so what it typically has done in the past is it's when, when there was a great deal of testing going on, it would looking, look at who was testing at grade level uh, or above grade level okay. at a particular thing. And, and, and I think now they'll probably just use the any, uh, National Assessment of Education Progress, the Iowa, the Iowa tests okay. that everybody takes, I think, in fourth and eighth grade. Okay. And, there's some, and, and probably look at SATs would be the thing that they'll look for high mm-hmm. schools. Uh, and so... Uh, the charters in most of those bins, almost all of those bins, outperform the neighborhood schools. So if you are a, uh, a parent of, if, you, if you're a, a minority, let's say African-American parent, Asian parent, mm-hmm. uh, and you have a child who is, and, and you're, in a free, you're eligible for free or reduced lunch, and you're sending your kid to a charter, then the chances are that your kid is going to do better than the same than, than than somebody with those same demographics in the neighborhood school. Again, this is this is sort of aggregated statewide. Uh, so that means that means two things. Number one, it means that charters are doing well. It means that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're 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 the the, the kids who go there are doing better. Uh, are more likely to be at or above uh, proficiency for for their grade. Uh, be controlled for those other elements. Than, than the equivalent going to a neighborhood school. Uh, alternately, it may also mean that the parents themselves being more involved, mm-hmm. uh, that, 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 that there's more, you know, more of that as well. So, Joshua, what you're telling me, though, is that you, you've taken a look at all the different factors, and I think the bottom line is is that typically children in these uh, public charter schools are doing better than uh, than the children over in the uh, just the regular public school. And then what we have happening, though, is a former school board member from probably the St. Vrain District, I would imagine, if she's up in Fort Collins, mm-hmm. uh, Representative Kip is wanting to claw back a mm-hmm. compromise that, that uh, occurred in 2017 down at the legislature that would equalize the funding. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about equalizing things. And, you know, the socialists talk about equalizing things, but here we've equalized something, and now she wants to claw that back. It's, it's kind of a head-scratcher to me. Well, it's, again, if you're hostile to the idea of charters, then this is a way of making it harder for them to operate. Presumably, it ends up hurting, their, hurting the kids' performance. And, you know, oh, maybe it, you know, I get maybe it. So, okay, so what you're well, saying so, is we're going to equalize, <laughs> we're going to equalize performance. Yeah, it's, it's so uh, Harrison had, Bergeron right here. Yeah, yeah and, so we have yeah. kids over here. The charters are, are performing better, mm-hmm. but and taking away, uh, equalizing funding, mm-hmm. so taking away their funding so that we can bring them down to uh, the performance that, that uh, is the norm across the state. I, I suspect that's part of it. I suspect it also just makes it harder for them to meet their financial targets, well, to sure. meet their financial plans, and so that, that then, then fewer would qualify as well. Uh, and, and we'll 
there has not been a comprehensive controlled study here in Colorado. Okay. Uh, and that's, that's important to, to, uh, to, to, to understand. We haven't done that kind of number crunching yet. However, a former independent, our, our alumnus from the Independence Institute, Ben DeGroe, who now directs this for the Mackinac Center up in, uh, up in Michigan, did a comprehensive study in Michigan. This is Betsy DeVos's home state. Okay. So naturally, they like to attack this because if you're going to attack charters, go after her, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to attack her, go after the charters in her home state. And interesting result. It says for every $1,000 the average charter school spends, this is in Michigan, it gets 32% better results on state tests than nearby district schools. For students, that translates into a 36% advantage in lifetime earnings. I think about that. Think about the advantage that that gives kids who go to these schools. And then ask yourself, the, the, the takeaway here, we only have a couple minutes mm-hmm. left, the takeaway that you want to have in your head is why should those kids get that advantage? Why shouldn't that be available to everyone? The answer is, of course, it should be available to everyone. Right. So instead of trying to hobble charters because you're afraid of the competition, why not expand them? make them available to more people and allow more people of the next generation to increase their 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 earnings ability. Wow, that is amazing. And you can't get third grade back. You know, you just can't. No, that's 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 the classic line and it's absolutely true. You only get one shot at the, once you fall behind, sure you can catch up, but it's extra work and it's spent and it's time spent doing stuff catching up that you're not spending Doing other stuff, expanding your horizons, working in extra, having uh, working in extra, learning you know outside of the box, it's harder. When you start falling behind. That can be that that that's a frightening prospect for parents. Um, why shouldn't we make this more generally available rather than less available? Well, that is the question on the table. So, Joshua Sharf, thank you so much for being in studio today.